Welcome to the Hemp Empowerment Project. We are your hosts, Anthony and Nicole Lucido. Our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the hemp industry and how it can benefit your life. Today's guest, Bobby Ziner, comes from the wood industry, but not just as a lumberjack. Bobby created an AI-driven computer integration manufacturing application for secondary wood processing that lowered processing costs by over 50% while reducing waste. Bobby is a recognized expert in fiber processing, optimization, softwood lumber, and yes, hemp. Bobby, there was an article written about you in a newspaper in 1995, and they titled it, Metro Businessman Uses Ram Instead of Brawn to Save Trees. As an early adopter of technology, what comments did you get from the naysayers? Well, you know, I think, I think the biggest issue is that, uh, interestingly enough, the first reaction that people generally have is they smile and they nod their head up and down, yes. Um, and it sounds good to them, but most people really have no understanding at all of how AI and advanced manufacturing technologies impact any type of processing or production environment. Uh, the naysayers basically would simply say, we don't understand it. Uh, given the opportunity to explain the details and how the pieces fit together, uh, generally we have found that people um, are not naysayers. Uh, they see how these pieces make a lot of sense. They understand how this type of technology is being used around the world throughout manufacturing and processing environments. The reality is that um, people's biggest concern about it is just that it's uh, a very expensive approach to uh, hemp stock decorticating because with our AI-driven uh, capabilities, uh, we don't focus on hemp stock processing. We actually look at hemp fiber optimization. And that ability and our ability to integrate primary processing and secondary production gives us the unique ability to be a low-cost producer of high-quality products. So, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the only thing that people need to get a better appreciation of is the return on invested capital and uh, how our gross margins are considerably greater and more stable than the existing conventional uh, hemp processing paradigm. I got it. Yeah. So, we, you know, processing is one of those large hurdles that we need to overcome, uh, you know, here in North America. So tell us about that smart stock system and how it can impact the processing of hemp. Well, the smart stock system uh, was uh, the technology that we developed for our uh, smart factory. And uh, it has now been patented for, uh, or it's patent pending uh, for the last year globally. The way that it impacts uh, the processing is that before it even starts to process, it uses our proprietary automated quality control system to analyze the quality of the stock that's going to go into the uh, process. We uh, do a core sample of every bale that we get when it enters the facility and that core sample identifies for us the specific internal material characteristics of the fiber itself. And then what we do is we have the system match up those specific criteria 
against the specific criteria that we will have contracted with our major uh, commercial end users. And I emphasize that because we are not focusing on serving uh, craft industries. We are focused strictly on focusing large-scale producers uh, who need to have assured quality and consistent supply. Now, the smart stock system, because it's AI-driven, comes with all of the inherent benefits of AI in manufacturing. That includes automated production scheduling and planning. It includes automated predictive maintenance for equipment and uh, other technological features that are inherent in AI, such as machine learning, uh, in order to find um, patterns in data that can give you insights on how to become uh, more productive in the processing itself. Awesome. So now, uh, here I wanted to, I wanted to go back a little bit, and you had said that the automated control system analyzes uh, the core samples and characteristics. What kind of characteristics are we are we analyzing? The five characteristics that we're focused on are cellulose, hemicellulose, lignin, moisture, and color, because these are the five characteristics that end users are most concerned about. Cellulose defines strength. Hemicellulose is a byproduct, a refined sugar. Lignin is used for adhesion. And uh, moisture defines processing speeds. And uh, the color is very important to textile producers. So um, those are the five specific characteristics that we're focused on. And... um, The technology is already in place to identify those. What CIHC has done is patented the ability to match the um, profiles, if you will, of the fiber characteristics uh, against templates defined using an AI approach. So that means that we can identify the contents of all bales uh, within about 22 seconds uh, to determine what the characteristics are uh, for that particular bale. The other thing that we do with the smart stock system is that it includes a blockchain registry that runs through the entire system. And with that blockchain registry, we're able to track the data of uh, every bale and every farmer. Uh, So for example, Before we even start processing any farmer's materials, they give us their full agronomic equation, which we put into our blockchain. That defines the date they uh, planted, the date they harvested, which varietal they used, was it irrigated, how much if it was, was it fertilized, which fertilizers, how much, how often. And with that data, what we do is... uh, At the end of the year, we evaluate the dollar yield from every bale that we processed. And each bale is associated with the farmer that supplied it. So what we're doing is we're actually looking at what is the average dollar yield per bale per farmer. And then we take the five farmers that have generated the highest yield for us and... um, 
we put that, those five agronomic equations into our system and the machine learning will automatically determine using reverse statistical analysis what the optimal agronomic equation would have been for that year. And then we give that data every year to the farmers free in order to help them improve their yield and their productivity. Now, in the um, scan, what we are able to do is ascertain out of the uh, dollar yield what the actual quality of the fiber is. And we believe that over a 12 to 18 month period, the AI machine learning capabilities of our system will allow us to automatically um, evaluate uh, in real time what the quality characteristics are and over 12 to 18 months, it will take that data and it will create its own automated grading system. Now, given the fact that there is no automated quality control system, there is certainly no automated hemp fiber grading system. So we believe that our technology will emerge as being the world's first hemp fiber automated uh, grading system. And we believe that in fact, for that reason, it very well could become the de facto standard that hemp fiber is graded on. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that sounds really exciting. All that data that you can accumulate for those farmers uh, will just prove to be so beneficial for the coming years. So now you say this is really going to be, you're really looking for large scale production and, you know, that's what we need. So you're talking about companies like Patagonia or Ralph Lauren or, you know, Coca-Cola. Those are the kind of companies that you're you're looking to uh, partner with? Well, our focus, first and foremost, is to create biocomposite products. We have uh, spent the last 13 months uh, creating our own biocomposite formulation. And with that formulation in hand, uh, we're in a position where we will be able to um, offer large-scale users uh, quality-controlled products, uh, customized automatically with no additional costs, and we will be the low-cost producer. Um, in that specific focus, our analysis indicates that because of our uh, integrated manufacturing, our ability, for example, to put stock in one end, and unlike all existing other conventional decorticators, have uh, herd and vast commodity products which they would market we automatically produce those herd and bass products into finished products. And that allows us to move up the value chain and get higher margins. But it also gives us the ability to better serve the specific needs of end users. Now, again, with uh, our business model being the uh, building and operating of a minimum of five of our facilities across North America in the first five years. We will be the first and again, the only ones able to provide digital distributed manufacturing. And for those who don't know, distributed manufacturing is the ability 
to automatically redirect orders from a particular facility where it has been traditionally made to another facility if the uh, raw material inventory appropriate is not at the um, facility that usually got made or if there has been, for whatever reason, some disruption in the supply of the natural fiber uh, to that original facility, um, you know, that could be due to a windstorm, a hurricane, a hailstorm, drought. Uh, our system would be able to redirect the order immediately to another one of our facilities, and that will ensure that the large-scale uh, users of hemp fiber uh, don't suffer from the um, problems which could naturally exist when you're dealing with uh, a natural fiber. Awesome. So let's back to that smart stock system. Are, is this something, what kind of like decortication equipment are you looking to couple this with? Is there a specific model or type that's, that's out on the market today? Well, let me tell you that we have decided to work with Kretis out of Belgium. Kretis is the largest, the oldest, um, most established hemp equipment manufacturer hemp decortication equipment manufacturer in the world. They've been making equipment for 110 years. And even though they are uh, the most expensive, um, they come with a lot of benefits uh, in terms of what it is that CIHC is trying to achieve. Uh, it's proven. It's in existence. It's large volume. It's scalable. And uh, it is focused on quality control, and it's fully automated. And because of that, uh, we are able to use our direct control system server to take over the um, logic functions of the PLC inherent in the credits decortication line. And uh, we will be able to operate it directly as part of our system. Uh, the decortication equipment, like all the equipment and all the systems and all the technology in our facility, all are in existence and proven all large-scale, all automated. And there was a very specific reason for that, which was that we wanted to mitigate the perceived risk associated with putting in any new technology. So the beauty of our system is, although there's no new technology, and for all intents and purposes, we're a high-level system integration house, or it's just, our project is, is driven by high-level system integration, the reality is that... Um, Yeah, I lost my candle. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. um, that's, that's okay. Well, uh, can, do you oh, yeah. So, go ahead. Uh, and, and, yeah, so our system is uh, really effectively a high-level uh, high system integration project. But what it means is that we have um, mitigated the risk effectively because every one of the functions that we perform and all the equipment that we utilize to perform it um, has been in existence before. And fortunately for us, because of the way that the IP was developed, we are able to wrap our unique technologies around our hemp processing application and still qualify under uh, patent uh, for the uh, intellectual property. Awesome. And now this isn't something that's just new to you. 
because you did the same thing with wood to optimize uh, the cuts of wood, right? Yes. Uh, back in the 1980s, we uh, evolved our lumber building and distribution business, uh, lumber building materials, lumber and building materials distribution business um, in such a way that we focused on secondary wood processing. And because of my interest to increase our margins, to gain more flexibility, and to increase our quality control, I ended up partnering with General Electric Factory Automation um, to develop uh, our secondary wood processing system. And the impact of that, uh, which we patented in 1991, but the impact of that was we built a new facility which enabled us to reduce our production costs 50%, increase our value add at over 100%, with the net impact on our gross margins of over 250%. Right. So that sounds like it, it helped the company and it, you know, less waste for that wood helps, helps the environment as well. Well, let's put it this way. Um, we were so effective in terms of being low cost that really we dominated the market. And as I've said before, low-cost, high-quality producers inevitably dominate the market and everybody else has to fight for their share. Right. Yep, and then that's what you're doing. Do you already have a facility open with the smart stock system now, providing these, um, you know, the, all the processing um, capabilities? No, uh, no facility has been built yet. We have decided that uh, we are much more concerned about ensuring that we have all of our products and markets in place. We have been working strategically with a major thermoplastic producer compounder here in Toronto, Canada. And uh, so far, they have evaluated our uh, biocomposite pellets uh, from a lab perspective. We're very satisfied. I did a short run. We're very satisfied with the uh, products that resulted. And now as we make another uh, one-ton batch of pellets uh, for our ongoing research, uh, they would like to run an entire production run with our pellets just to see how it works uh, through a long-term production run. And share with me, what kind of products are you developing with these, with these pellets? Well, our, our focus is just to provide customized pellets uh, our system, will, again, will use the machine learning capabilities to do an automatic formulation of pellets uh, to fulfill specific engineering characteristics required in the finished products. And, and oh, go ahead. So, um, and it will allow the system, because it's all computer integrated, to custom fabricate these pellets uh, in order to give the uh, specific strength uh, requirements and uh, durability um, and fulfill the dur durability needs. Uh, and according to our analysis, we will be making biocomposite pellets somewhere between 30 and 35% lower cost than any other uh, producer would be able to. Now, now what would these biocomposite pellets be used for? I mean, you're not well, making things, so, but, you know, the other people that would, uh, industries yes. that would take it. So, 
So, first of all, uh, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture in 2020, China in itself had a $1.2 billion uh, market for its hemp fiber in 2018. Wow. Now, the preliminary um, focus of the industry has been automotive, uh, where the automotive industry in China and in Europe are using hemp biocomposites in cars because they are lighter in weight and properly made can be lower in cost. Lighter in weight, of course, is important because it improves the gas mileage of cars, which are under government regulation. Right. So, um, rather, but we, what I have seen is that everybody likes to chase low-hanging fruits, and therefore the automotive industry, which is well known to be very, very uh, frugal in terms of... Uh, allowing its uh, suppliers to uh, earn a uh, margin, we have decided that our primary focus is not going to be on the car industry, although we will have the capabilities to serve them. We are looking at the consumer plastics market, uh, which is multi-billion dollars around the world uh, as our opportunity to be, again, a low-cost, high-quality provider. And can you share, you know, these... Um, single-use plastics that once you have put the um, the biocomposite pellets in, what percentage would be plastic and what percentage would be hemp? Well, it depends, again, on the application and the structural needs. You can go anywhere from 10% up to probably close to 50% fiber uh, for specific products. Um, it really depends on the application. So, you know, you said you don't have any facilities open as of yet, and you plan to have some open over the next five years. Um, do you have any plans at when you're going to open the first one, or you're still just really fine-tuning everything? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, over the last four years that I've been involved with Canadian Industrial Hemp Corporation, I've noticed that the conversation uh, around processing hemp has changed considerably. Uh, you know, four years ago, people thought that, you know, the industry could be dominated and uh, served well by portable uh, small-scale decorticators. Uh, my concerns, which I expressed uh, publicly um, for a long period of time, were always uh, based on consistency and quality control mm -hmm. and volume. So, um, you know, from our point of view... Uh, we, we believe that, um, I'm sorry, forgive me. Tell me the question again. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, you don't have your first facility open yet if you had any plans on when the first, first facility would open because um, I know you're fine-tuning everything. So, Yeah, so, I mean, we have avoided talking um, with the financial community directly for the most part because we want to make sure that we have our products uh, completed and our markets uh, fulfilled uh, before we start focusing on the plant building. We think that we'll be there in the next couple months, uh, again, because of our success with the biocomposite formulation. Um, we are looking at, it's going to take 16 to 20 months to have a uh, line built in Europe, uh, shipped over and installed in North America. Okay. And, uh, you know, we feel that at this particular point, we're looking at uh, 
being open to process the um, crop from uh, 2023. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. Bobby, let's just take you back to 1995. Could you imagine all the data that you would have had if we were actually manufacturing hemp and you were you were gathering the data since then? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Oh, it's just, could you imagine if we were in 1995, you're actually working on the system to um, and all the data that you would have gathered? From hemp back then, if, you know, if everything was legal back then compared to today and trying to create these brand new processes without any type of um, numbers or margins to go with anything? Well, you know, the truth of the matter is that big data analysis and the type of flexibility that we're looking at now um, have just really kind of come into their own in the last four or five years. Uh, You know, to put things in perspective, back in the 1980s when uh, we started to develop our secondary wood processing application for uh, artificial intelligence. Just the system integration cost was $6 million. And that was because in those days, all of the operating systems were proprietary. So you had to create your own connection between all of the systems. Today, connecting uh, data points is just a matter of click-click. So as opposed to $6 million 30 years ago, today it would probably take one person about two weeks, so it might cost you about $4,000 or $3,000. Wow. wow, yeah, definitely a huge so, difference. So, yeah, so the more, as the technology changes, I mean, I always like to say that technology redefines economics because it redefines the marketing. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, with all of your years of um, being really like an inventor, what kind of advice would you have for anybody that's, I mean, whether they're starting a new business in the hemp industry or anything else? I mean, we were talking before the show and you had some great advice for people that were starting out. Well, you know, first of all, I think that it's very important that anybody who's thinking of going into hemp processing Uh, has some financial capabilities, either themselves or to one of the people that they work with. It's critical to uh, be able to do a reasonable, um, well-thought-out, well-laid-out pro forma so that, you know, the operators actually have some idea of what their plan is, what their scale is, what their markets will need to be, what their products will need to be, their operating costs, etc., uh, they need to factor in things like spare parts for their equipment, which I have found that uh, many people uh, who have already bought the corticators never really think about doing. Uh, they need to ask themselves questions about um, the uh, cutting knives uh, for the that um, peel off the, the vast fibers. Uh, they need to be sure that um, they have the understanding of how long those knives will actually stay sharp for each run. Uh, how often will they have to change those knives? How long will it take to change those knives? Will they be sharpening the knives themselves, in which case they have to you know, put in uh, some costs for uh, a sharpening equipment, or are they going to be uh, subbing out to somebody? And if they are going to be subbing out to somebody, how much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take? How far away from their facility are they? 
How will they get it to them and how will they get it back? These are just very practical, pragmatic considerations that anybody who's thinking of going into the hemp decortication industry uh, needs to know. So scale is a, a really important thing. Uh, the products you're going to manufacture are critical, and you have to be sure that you can balance out the sales of your bass, your herd, and your dust. And on that note, I will only mention that as surprising it is to me, a lot of people that I've spoken to don't seem to realize that 20% of your production when you're processing stock comes out as a dust. Wow. And, you know, a 20% loss, so to speak, unless you find ways to utilize that dust, uh, can create a huge impact and add great difficulty to becoming profitable. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things to consider. And, you know, years ago, I was thinking decortication is going to be the way to go. Let's let's get a decorticator. And, you know, obviously, there you can get pretty expensive machinery and I'm glad I never really pulled the trigger on any kind of mobile decortication system, uh, you know, after talking with so many different people, because there's a lot of different variables that are uh, that you need to consider before just jumping in into the uh, hemp industry. Well, that's why I think that a lot of people get very excited about the possibility they hear 50,000 products can be made, et cetera, et cetera. But once they start looking at the actual numbers of their operations, they begin to understand that it is harder to make a dollar than they think, and that scale is a critical issue. So, um, you know, these are the types of uh, issues and risks that people going into a new industry take, and they can't just assume that they know what they know, they know what they don't know, because unfortunately in that equation is those areas where you don't know what you don't know, and those are the areas that inevitably come back to bite you in the butt. Yep. Yep. So now, uh, with your company, are you? I'm not asking for myself, just any listener out there. Is there any uh, employment opportunities within within your company that you're looking for? Well, not at this particular point. I mean, uh, our intention is to find a uh, partner. And we're looking at the fact that they may have, in fact, an executive team in place. And depending on who they are and uh, how they might strategically fit with what we're doing, we would consider working directly with them. Uh, from an employment point of view, every one of our facilities employs 70 people, um, of which 13 per facility are HQE, high-quality employment opportunities, and uh, as well, each facility represents about 35,000 hours of trucking. Awesome. So again, you know, uh, helping out the economy, giving people high-quality jobs, and of course, you know, providing a, a very valuable product to, to the end user. Well, I'd like to point out that, you know, even with our gross margins, our EBITDA being 100% greater than a comparable uh, conventional decortication line. Uh, the reality is that uh, the EBITDA, um, the margins. Oh, you were talking about the margins? Yeah, but I forgot where I was going with it. Forgive me. 
Yep, that's okay. So, so as for your plans for your organization as as you grow, are you planning to have facilities all throughout North America? Well, our business plan says a minimum of five facilities across North America in order to ensure that we can service from coast to coast. Nice. Uh, the reality being that once we have demonstrated our future capabilities on our first facility, uh, we believe then that um, we will be a billion-dollar company, and that will be very simply because technologies um, most people understand that there is only one metric that is critical, and that is your throughput. You have a good idea of your gross margin range because you know what your price range can be. But the one thing you don't know in advance is you know, what your productivity factor will be and what your throughput will be. So knowing that we can achieve the throughputs that we have defined in our business plan will simply prove that we are effectively uh, a disruptive um, technology in the industry and people will then appreciate that we will be the uh, low-cost producer um, and scale will only um, facilitate our opportunities. Now, whenever you work with the farmers, are there specific strains um, of hemp that you're looking for them to grow? Well, you know, people talk to me about this a lot of times. The strains are very much dependent, in fact, on uh, what microclimate, so what area you're growing it in. Uh, there are many um, experienced experts uh, around the world at this point dealing with varietals. So we're quite comfortable that at that point uh, we will be dealing with uh, some agronomic experts who will give us the right direction in terms of uh, the varietals to use. It's well known that you know the varietals that you're looking for for uh, fiber um, are different generally than the ones you're looking for for seed or CBD. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to say before, by the way, is that all of our employees um, are basically uh, employed for 50 weeks a year. The minimum wage in our pro forma is $17 an hour with a full 24% health benefit attached to every employee. Nice, nice. So you're, you know, paying people, you know, a decent wage and still giving them benefits along with it, which is amazing for the job market. Well, we think that it's, it's really important, you see, from our point of view, each of our facilities is more than just a company. It's a community. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we are very, very keen to establish, is that um, our technology basically introduces uh, a clean agricultural process for them. And it will be a great opportunity for people. Uh, we believe that uh, the technology, the technological nature um, of our facility will give us a great opportunity to also use our facilities as training centers for uh, technology, uh, for manufacturing technology applications. That's awesome. So you're even going beyond just 
the aspect of creating the the this particular business with the processes, the employees, but you know, bringing more people from the industry in to learn so that we can expand on the whole industry. Well, we think that we can make a difference, mm-hmm. and we think that we can, uh, you know. Um, accelerate, propel hemp uh, into larger volumes. I mean, given its exceptional abilities as a uh, a sequestration plant and uh, the fact that it would replace so many um, products such as uh, steel, uh, concrete, uh, bentonite clay, um, and plastics, uh, we feel that uh, you know it, it's it's too valuable uh, to not drive the amount that's uh, grown um, into larger quantities. Nice. So, Bobby, I want to you know I'm with what you just said is leading me into my final question here. So, what is your vision for hemp in the future? Well, you know. When I put all the pieces and all the benefits that hemp brings into the equation, besides jobs and um, value-added and uh, circular economy, the fact that it's uh, the hemp growing hemp is uh, wonderful for soil, uh, that it actually improves soil, that it can remediate bad soil, um, I and the fact that it can be used for biofuel in huge quantities, can be used for biofibers in huge quantities. Um, we already know that uh, the seed is highly nutritious and, and enjoyed by many people and growing opportunity, as is the CBD. I have no difficulty uh, considering that there's 200 million acres of soy grown around the world. Mm-hmm. I have no difficulty in believing that in the next 15 years, we will get up to 50 million acres of hemp, simply because... It will produce the results financially. It will produce the results from a carbon sequestration point of view. And it will produce the results um, that people in the 21st century need to see. Mm-hmm. You know, hemp is a unique opportunity for mankind to remedy a lot of his uh, thoughtlessness over the last 150 years. Yeah, I like that. So, Bobby, can you um, tell our listener where they can find you? Yes, CIHC can be found on LinkedIn under Robert Ziner, Z-I-N-E-R, or J.J. Ziner, my son and partner. You can also be contacted at rziner, Z-I-N-E-R, at C-I-H-C-O-R-P, one word, C-I-H-Corp.com. And... Our website is www.cihcorp.com. Well, thank you so much for Bob. Thank you so much, Bobby, for being on our podcast today. And we appreciate our listener for tuning in to the Hemp Empowerment Project, where our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the hemp industry and how it can change your life. Please subscribe to this podcast so you're always in the know.